This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're listening to Inside Story with Lee Tree Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, moving back to live and work in your hometown. So this follows Rural and Development Minister Datuk Sri Ahmad Zahid Hamidi talking about the trend of re-migration or people choosing to return to their rural hometowns to work. So first, we explore that idea and talk about what needs to be in place to support this. And then we'd like to hear from you. Would you move back to work in your hometown or in this case, your parents' hometown? We'll explain in a bit. Call 7733-2900, WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So let me talk to you first about the unlikely source uh, for today's story in this alternate reality in which we live. <laughs> because uh, yesterday during Parliament, the Rural and Development Minister, Datuk Sri Dr. Ahmad Zayed Hamidi, brought up an interesting trend um, speaking about remigration to rural areas from third generation members of rural communities. So he um, attributed this to both the food security issue, which um, encourages burgeoning agribusinesses. In other words, the lack of or the worries around food security means there are more farmers, more people interested in it, uh, as well as the growing number of SMEs opening in rural areas. And he said that his ministry will be working together with uh, several agencies, including Felcra, RISDA and MARA to uh, address this. And also said he's going to improve cost of living in rural areas. Um, he's apparently implementing 22 quick win programs and 16 game changer programs to bolster the economy in rural regions. So this opens up, I think, an interesting discussion on uh, this choice to move away from urban centres and back to uh, rural areas, back to people's hometowns, because he did use the term hometown quite specifically. Um, And I think this notion of a whole lot of benefits coming in terms of perhaps moving away from uh, primarily a place where cost of living is quite high, but also where the, the, the pace of life can be quite challenging for many people. So if we look at uh, a survey from our Department of Statistics, in 2020, the state that tops the charts for having sent the most people back uh, is actually from KL. So a lot of people are moving out from KL. Are we surprised? I don't think anybody is surprised by this. No, not really, right? We also have the highest, I mean, it's a high density area. So if anybody's going to be moving out from places, it stands to reason. Uh, it, uh, the state that is receiving the most migrants, though, was Johor. That also kind of makes sense. It's a large state. It's a booming state. And there are a lot of developments going on there. I sound like I was paid by Johor at this point for some reason, but it does make sense. But I think this notion of interstate migration is more interesting when we talk about, um, we take it back to that point about not just moving to another developed area, but areas where perhaps the way of life, the kind of work can be significantly quite different. Well, It's also, I think, important to address the fact that the minister spoke about this um, in relation to, as you would expect, I think, at a ministerial level, um, in terms of very sort of policy and uh, industry-driven approaches, right? In other words, food security, agribusinesses. But then the, the reasons why people move is actually more personal. So, uh, forty-five point three percent of people migrating within the country um, 
said it was because of family. And then um, you have, after that, career and environment following behind at 23.6 and then 22.3. So this question of cost of living, about why it is you might choose to do it, isn't as important as family. And this surprises me, again, not one bit. No, I think all of these really line up with reasons why people would choose to leave urban centres, particularly if they were anyway people who moved there in search of opportunities either one generation or two generations ago. Um, there is perhaps a certain amount of disillusionment with this notion of living in a place like KL. So let's draw up the lines of our discussion quite clearly today, right? Because I think when you say hometown, um, it's very easy to assume like, hey, I was born here. This is my hometown. Um, for both of us, this is the case. But if you think about it in a familial sense, because again, the minister is talking about third generation. So in other words, your grandparents. So where your grandparents came from, you could also consider your hometown or your spiritual originating spot in Malaysia. So uh, when we say hometown, we're just going to be saying hometown for the rest of the show. But what we mean is where your family comes from, not necessarily where you come from. Yes. Um, and then the other thing is, while he was speaking about food security and um, agribusiness, that's an important element, but our discussion, I think, encompasses all sorts of work for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, basically, I think just this notion of what might what might prompt you to return to that that hometown. Yes. Um, so, we'd like to hear from you. Would you move back to work in your hometown? Is this something you've considered? If it is. What would it take to make that a possibility for you? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Adrian Lasimbang, who is the founder of Tony Bung, a community-based non-profit organisation, uh, as well as the director of Verde Resources. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Best for money, BFM 89.9. It is 6.14 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about migrating within the country and specifically leaving the city uh, to go back and live and work in your hometown. This was something that came up as a point of discussion in Parliament yesterday. And we wanted to know, for you, would you move back to work in your hometown? Again, hometown here is being defined as where your family is from. And if you're interested in that, what would it take to make that possible for you in your chosen industry. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, joining us now on the line is Adrian Lasimbang, founder of Tony Bung, a community-based non-profit organisation promoting sustainable development projects in rural indigenous communities. He's also director of community development and regenerative farming at Verde Resources. Adrian, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me in this uh, show. Yeah. So the Rural and Development Minister, uh, Zaid Hamidi, spoke about the trend of remigration to rural areas from third generation members of um, originally rural communities. Is this something that you've, you've noticed, that you've seen quite a bit? Yeah, and, and of course, uh, during the pandemic, I've seen that uh, trend quite uh, recently, for, but I'm really not sure if this are really... Uh, uh, a trend that is going to be continuously, or it's just uh, t uh, because of the uh, uh, difficulties uh, during the pandemic, uh, especially in 2020 to 2021. But of course, uh, having worked on issues on rural urban migration, these are something uh, very positive for me, 
and uh, I I wonder if we can really look at this uh, in, in in more in depth because uh, these are something that we have been talking about over uh, population of urban areas and maybe these are something we can we can uh, explore uh, how we can um, take the opportunity to uh, yeah um, develop our rural areas. So what are some reasons why people might choose to return to their hometowns to work? What are some issues in urban areas uh, that might prompt job seekers to do that? So a lot of the people that I've seen, um, especially those from urban areas coming back to the rural areas, um, particularly during the pandemic, there's really clear sign of, uh, you know, the uh, ever-rising cost of living in the city areas. And, um, you know, a lot of them actually, uh, specifically for those who came from the uh, rural areas to try and have um, a better life in the urban, uh, they're not that kind of skilled enough. So a lot of their skills are not matching with what is required in the urban area. So they find it very difficult and a lot of them actually end up working day wage uh, jobs and so on. So during the pandemic, uh, a lot of these uh, day earning jobs uh, are severely affected. So, yeah, a lot of them are going back because, again, uh, they have everything in, in the rural areas, in the hometown. They have their land, they have their you know families there, to, they have a social support and so on. So a lot of these are something to do with, um, you know, uh, our cities are getting more and more expensive. Right. So on that, um, do you see that in a big way, that this issue of cost of living and so on really affecting decisions on where to live and work? Uh, definitely, definitely, because uh, uh, there's a really um, showing trends uh, saying that, you know, a lot of the those who are uh, going back, um, particularly, they're, they're venturing into farming. And this is something that is uh, interesting because uh, farming used to be in, in, in the 90s and early 2000, a lot have been um, basically abandoned in the rural areas because of uh, a lot of emphasis put towards high tech and, and, and so on. So people are trying to go to that job. But again, the failure of this high tech on industrialization in the city area is actually uh, pushing forward uh, for a movement for people to go back to farming, especially uh, looking at sustainable um, agriculture. So building on that, what are opportunities and sectors that are available for people seeking out jobs in rural areas? Actually, there's a lot of uh, opportunities. Uh, and I think one of the th- uh, opportunities that um, currently being developed is uh, to look at uh, um, uh, not developing rural products. Uh, I have seen many of my friends who are social entrepreneurs they're going uh, uh, to the kampung area now to develop uh, rice varieties, traditional rice varieties, and making it into like a high-end product. And these are something that is much more lucrative compared to working for a company with, with uh, the, you know, uh, monthly uh, wages and so on. And they're uh, having much more flexibility. And I think the most important part is uh, also looking at the basis raising awareness towards sustainable products and uh, there, there is a lot of opportunity for that in the rural areas. I've seen many friends who used to be engineers, doctors, now uh, investing on to do hydroponics, aquaponics in the rural areas, doing some more regenerative agriculture. And uh, much more recently, there's a lot of interest on looking at carbon farming, uh, that you can basically uh, create you know, carbon credits from uh, using more um, regenerative agriculture, 
uh, and sequestered carbon on the soil and so on. So these are something that is like raising on the horizon. And I think alongside these, um, alongside these sorts of migrations, there are usually worries also about gentrification, about um, you know people taking jobs and not necessarily creating jobs. Is this something that you've seen, or you know, is is the playing field wide open? Yeah, I'm. I'm quite concerned uh, because you know the people are going going back. It's a good sign, but I'm not sure whether they are still equipped with the knowledge to to survive in the rural or much more rural setting. For example, like their children, you know, uh, the, we are talking about second, third generations who have been living in the cities and uh, children have not been taught how to farm. Uh, they have lost lost their traditional knowledge. Whereby this kind of knowledge are really important for you to survive in the in the rural setup. Uh, so these are something that is might concern concerning to because um, we need workforce. That's good, but do they have the the knowledge and also the the you know um, train training to to do this kind of jobs? Uh, these are quite quite a lot of uh, issue also. Uh, for families, I think it's a positive thing because. Uh, I've seen um, there is an uh, aging population in the rural areas. That I mean, I go to, I, I'm from Sabah, so I go to all these long houses. And again, in Sarawak, you, you can only see the very old people, retired and very young, uh, small children that are still like schooling in primary schools. So there's a lot, a lot of age gap. So uh, having uh, this um, uh, uh, some remigration to the uh, uh uh, rural areas might might provide this kind of sort of uh, uh, edge gap, uh, and then have have a better society. But definitely, I I doubt that they they can they can um, last uh, if there is not enough uh, support. For example, like infrastructure, um, you know, internet. Uh, mean they have not experienced bad roads, you no know, uh, electricity, water supply disruption, and so on. So these are something that is. That might, uh, you know, um, uh, have problem uh, when when this kind of migration, remigration occurs. So, actually, to build on that, if we talk about this remigration becoming a wider process, something that more people start taking up, are there in fact enough businesses and industries currently in our rural areas to sustain that? Yeah, that that is my concern. I think because there is not enough industry. Because uh, the government have not been investing a lot on downstream industries in the rural areas. Uh, a lot of it is just very much a production of raw materials, and a lot of it is been sent just over to the cities and get processed and and so on. So uh, without investing or giving some sort of incentive for um, more downstream um, industry like uh, food processing and. Uh, other support systems. Um, I think this, this is going to be a very difficult. In fact, it is is going to be an issue for the existing workforce in the rural area. So uh, these people are going to take their their job and um, and and so on. But I think what needs to be done is there must be um, a systematic, uh, you know, um, and dedicated investment towards uh, bringing these industries um, through. Uh, supporting social enterprise because I have seen the only um, vehicle or people that is really successful in bringing the the downstream industries to the rural setup is mostly done by the social entrepreneurs. 
because they they have the wits and you know the uh, the the motivation and the 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 drive to actually bring development to the uh, rural areas. So these are something that the government needs to do uh, in order for this to be a lasting uh, sort of trend. Otherwise, it's just a, a, a reaction towards the uh, ever change, um, increasing um, you know uh, cost of living in the urban area. So what kind of investment would you like to see into rural areas then to increase opportunities in a way that continues to be equitable and sustainable? I think the government first, they have to address the elephant in the room, which is uh, the basics. You know, um, I, I live in in a suburban uh, uh, area in uh, Sabah, and I don't have even uh, uh, no, a stable connectivity of internet. Um, uh, the roads are still bad. Uh, we have disruption of water and electricity every day. So these are something that is government really needs to look and uh, you know uh, uh, invest a lot to improve this infrastructure. Otherwise, uh, it will be a very they will uh, the remigration might strain the already strained resources in in the rural areas. So these are something that government needs to address. Uh, secondly. Um, Having some incentive for companies or social entrepreneurs that go uh, to uh, the rural areas and set up their operations. These are something that is very important. This can only be done through a very much dedicated uh, investment from the government side to encourage more social entrepreneurs to come and uh, work together with the uh, local communities and uh, develop the products, uh, especially uh, downstream products from the agriculture products, uh, forest products, or even traditional foods and so on. These are something that we have to really uh, look closely. And I think the last and not least, the uh, we have to be able to do retraining. So it's have. I mean, these people. I mean, I, I mentioned it before. People in the urban area have lost a lot of their um, natural uh, knowledge, traditional knowledge, or you know, um, uh, life skills that requires you to live there, so some sort of retraining on farming. And also the, the, uh, the other side, the rural communities are also needs to get some uh, training when it comes to like automation and a little bit of uh, you know, uh, mechanization in the, in the industry that they have um, and, and so on. So these are three things that I think the government needs to really emphasize in rural development. Now, if we look at numbers from the Department of Statistics, there is a lack of racial diversity in our rural areas with uh, only a tiny proportion of non-Bumiputras in these parts, uh, with the main reason to migrate internally being family, a better life and so on. Is it possible that alienation may be a large barrier to moving to these areas? So how do we attract other races to integrate themselves in these rural regions and I suppose take us on that path to becoming a true melting pot? Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, development uh, parks, I mean, a lot of the uh, land um, is actually owned by Mimiputra, definitely. But the, the, in order for us to have much more diverse uh, population in rural areas, um, it has to be uh, more inclusive. Uh, and when we uh, create a development uh, plans, I think we should be not based on like the traditional way of looking up uh, how we look at the rural area whereby it's farming and so on. So if we have a very holistic approach in bringing uh, development in rural areas where, where there's industry, there's also um, you know, com- commerce, and there's also 
tourism, everything that uh, allows uh, different skills and different kind of uh, balance to come in to make that model happen, then this is the kind of melting pot that we can create in the rural setup. Uh, so uh, I think uh, continuously um, developing industry based on, uh, you know, the sector, like agriculture, these are like the Malays and, you know, all, all these plantations used to be Indians and all this. These are, these are something that is, uh, already old school. <laughs> we should go uh, without this because I, I think that the, the general Malaysian, the new generations, doesn't look at um, uh, you know uh, career based on your your uh, background, but rather than uh, how are we going to uh, create this opportunity or the ecosystem for them to participate in in this kind of uh, you know uh, uh, environmental model that we can create lah. So, yeah, I think Sabah is a good model whereby uh, you can go to any small town and there's, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, mixture of different ethnic groups because we never had the so-called segregation of race uh, towards uh, sectors of um, industry like, uh, you know, plantation and, and so on. Because we, from the start, uh, we already have the, the town, we have Tamu, uh, no, this kind of, the kind of concept whereby Sabah have this Tamu where all the different ethnic groups actually um, come together and, you know, uh, sell the product, exchange exchange the butter trading and those those kind of things. So we can still have this kind of system in, in Malaysia. Why, why not? But it's just because we continue to do with you know, uh, old way of planning our towns and old way of thinking how industry should be uh, developed. And these are something that you know, uh, has to be done holistically uh, in, to, to, to reach a certain uh, you know, diversity of thoughts. Adrian, thanks so much for speaking with us. That was Adrian Lasimbang, founder of Tony Bung, a community-based non-profit organisation promoting sustainable development projects in rural indigenous communities. He's also Director of Community Development and Regener- Regenerative Farming at Verde Resources, talking to us about remigration, which we'll continue exploring after this. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Boosting Female Ministers, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It's 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila and we're talking today about remigration, a topic that came up uh, in Parliament yesterday, brought up by Rural and Development Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Ahmad Zayed Hamidi. Now, just to be clear, again, um, when we talk about remigration, it's people choosing to return to their hometowns to work. When we say hometowns, uh, we're referring to the places where your family members, uh, your your family, your parents, your grandparents are from, because the minister specifically referenced third generation. Yes. So if you're about to say your hometown is here, fair enough. Um, but your parents. Anyway, let us know, would you move back to work in your hometown? What would it take for it to become a reality? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, joining us, I think on the line, we've got a caller, Anne. Anne, good evening. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so what, what my thought is that uh, I don't mind moving back to the hometown because it's, it has been something that I always want to do. And right now, there are many remote um, opportunities available where we can work from home from anywhere as long as there's internet connectivity. So yeah, it's something that um very um, keen. I'm, I'm quite interested to do that, actually. 
And are you actively working towards it, Anne? I mean, is it something that you're going to like quit your job, pack up, move back? Uh, it's not easy as that because I have a spouse who is non-Malaysian, so he's kind of um, tied up to a city area for his kind of opportunity. <laughs> uh, I was curious about what exactly uh, is attractive to you about moving back to your hometown. Uh, well, the the whole the quality of life that we can have with the family compared to city. So it's a different ballgame altogether with the people, the lifestyle. Yeah. And thank you so much for calling and for sharing. I think, um, you know, that, that reflects how... That reflects actually in so many ways. It's such a perfect encapsulation of what we're discussing because the possibilities might be there. Um, the The way... The, the infrastructure needs to be able to support it, i.e. the internet, hopefully it can. But then family being either a push or pull factor or something that keeps you, um, you know, that not keeps you, but that you really need to consider in the move. I think it's something that's so universal. Because you're not just talking about your job and where you want to live, right? You're also talking about your partner or your spouse, uh, whether they have something that they can do there. Um, and then to add on, if you have children, are there sufficient uh, schooling uh, capabilities? Are there enough uh, opportunities there in terms of extra things that you want to get them involved in? Which I think is quite telling why the the, the minister, at least, is talking about youth. Mm. What's your hometown? But don't say KL. You, you always like start well, trumpeting KL. Well, <laughs> see, because actually even my great-grandparents settled down in KL. All right. So, unfortunately, I don't have a different answer. On both sides, it would be KL. So, you're really dyed in the wool is what you're telling really me. I am really KL. As, as you can tell, that's why I'm so loyal to the city. In other words, migration for you would actually just be migration. You wouldn't be returning to a place yes. you have ties to. Yes, which, mm. which doesn't mean that I don't have dreams of migrating, not re-migrating though. Uh, within interstate, my, interstate migrating, I mean. Uh, so, two things to that. Firstly, for me, the choices would be either Ipoh or uh, Bentong, one being more rural uh, or more remote than the other. And both I have a an attachment to. In both, I've often thought, I don't know how I would work in the media. I don't know how I would... Um, I mean, I, I know, of course, that there are media personnel working in those spaces. I just mean I could never kind of get my head around it. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I think both of us have um, have friends and we've traveled, for example, the United States before. And I bring them up in this context because when I was traveling through the US, it struck me that, uh, well, part of the reason why they so many of them don't have passports um, is also that they often think about relocating it's not uncommon for people to migrate and move within the united states it's almost a i wouldn't call it a rite of passage but it's a terribly common thing and i think that that comes from being in a larger country that has a lot of cities and towns and and spaces for you to choose from i wonder though whether that's also because you and i were both raised in a city centre versus, say, if you actually grew up in a more uh, non-urban space, 100%, this yeah. idea of migrating to an urban centre could seem quite a thing to do that everybody does. It might seem as a matter of course, yes. right? Which is, in the first place, how, for example, my parents met because yeah. they did not meet in either Ipoh or Bentong. They met here. So all of which to say, we're asking you... Um, 
would you move back to work in your hometown and what would make it possible for you to do that? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to 018-789-8899. Uh, you can send us a WhatsApp there as well and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, I, I would like to look at some of the, the messages now. Okay, so let's start with... Ming, who says, I would definitely consider moving back to my hometown in Sabah and spending more time with my parents and to help develop the infrastructure. I'm currently working as a structural engineer in KL and the largest discrepancies would be the pay gap between West Malaysian firms compared to East Malaysia. Living cost in KL and KK is very similar, yet the wages in Sabah within the construction industry are 30-40% to lower as compared to what you'd get in KL. There's hardly any West Malaysian working in Sabah as an employee. The exceptions being either you run your own business or you work in ONG. If this gap can be narrowed down, I'm very sure a lot of East Malaysians are willing to go back and develop their hometowns with their skills and knowledge gained elsewhere. Ming, thanks so much for sharing. I mean, our guest earlier, Adrian, was also uh, is also from Sabah and spoke about it from that particular point of view. I think that the, the point you raise about the living costs in KL and KK being similar is an extremely good one because that was something that's something that's always struck me. I, I go to KK a fair amount. I have family there. And every time I go, I think, man, I could do this. And then I also reflect on how much it costs to eat out, how much it costs to have a meal. Um, so you're right. I think that that discrepancy is really, uh, is really important to address. And, and that's a very tough one when you're talking about the difference between KL with its multitude of, of firms and multitude of like, for example, multinationals. I think it also depends whether you're thinking of this move as an extension of the same job you've been doing or if you're thinking to pivot and doing something else. Uh, because again, this push to perhaps move to the agriculture industry for many people would represent a shift from what they've already been doing. Well, before we take the break, um, raising the point about cost of living, uh, we have Ken who says, it's a difficult decision for someone who is from Penang, Georgetown and I work in KL because both cities are equally expensive to live in. Cry emoji which I think about, again, quite a bit because this is true. I mean, you could argue that the cost of eating is perhaps lower in Penang, but it's not so much that it makes a huge difference, I think. Yeah, um, similar point about KK, right? So I, I think that, yeah, I think certain places, hometown may not really represent as big a... Uh, in terms of savings, at least, as, as others. Uh, Edwin also is from Penang um, and says moving back there will be just as, just, as, just as expensive. But of course, food will be better, fighting words. Um, <laughs> on another note, if we develop rural areas, would that defeat the purpose of why people would want to leave the city to a rural area, hometown or not? That's interesting. Uh. Uh, so I think... Um, I think we're so far away from developing all rural areas in Malaysia that that at this moment in time, it's not my hugest concern. Um, and perhaps this is a little bit of a sidebar, but do you remember all those stories about the Japanese government trying to pay people to move into cities that were otherwise dying, to move into towns, um, yes. especially in the Japanese countryside, yes. that were otherwise falling into absolute disrepair. And in some cases, you would be part of an extremely small community, but they were just trying to, to get that dissipation going. So I don't know, is, is, the, question that, um, is the question whether we would lose the point of hometowns and ruralness versus let's let rural places never develop and never achieve financial potential. 
I think there does seem to be there does need to be some intervention in terms of what we mean when we say development because um, <clears throat> bringing facilities to a place doesn't have to mean skyscrapers the next week. Mm. Nor will it. Yes. Nor will it. Um, again, we'd like to hear from you. We're talking today about remigration, a topic that came up in Parliament yesterday, in which uh, the Rural and Development Minister specifically talked about people choosing to return to their rural hometowns to work. We're extending it um, not necessarily about rural spaces, but would you move back to work in your hometown as defined as a place where your grandparents or parents may be from? And if you would make the move, what would it take for you to be able to do it and do it smoothly. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. That number to voice note is 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bunkus for Makan. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It's 6.49 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking uh, today about remigration, people choosing to return to their hometowns to work. This was brought up in Parliament yesterday by the Rural and Development Minister, Zaid Hamidi. Uh, so we want to hear from you. Would you move back to work in your hometown, at, defined as the place that your parents or grandparents may be from? Not necessarily just you. Um, so would you move back to work in that hometown and what would it take for you to be able to do that if you want to. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Uh, you can voice note zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, on the subject of voice notes, we do have one that's come our way. This is Boyi. Hi, uh, I would love to migrate to a rural area if there is a chance for me to make a living. So Bob, uh, I had stronger attachment to my school actually. And community there, lesser living expenditure, lesser lesser social expectations, stronger attachment to society, more more appreciation on our effort. So we, uh, I will get greater chances to make a changes. So why not? Boy, thanks so much for sending that through. Um, a point that I think we've been circling, but we haven't actually attacked and really looked at. The question of social attachment. So obviously for you, Sharmila, Miss KL through like <laughs> every generation in your family, um, that's not possible. But I do think that for most people um, who either have a personal history that's been delivered to them from their parents of this is where I grew up, this is where I was born, this is where, or, you know, yourself, this is where you were born, this is where you studied. 100% that question of emotional attachment and social attachment is so strong. Um, and I mean, in Boy's case, that's the that's the that's the thing, right? The the memories of school and community. Um, I think that that plays a huge part for people, especially if you've lived in urban spaces, which mm-hmm. sometimes can feel a little alienating. Um, I totally understand the draw of that. Boy, if you want to get back to us, though, you ended your voice note by saying, "So why not?" And I'd like to know why not for you. I mean, have have you actually thought about making the move? And if not, then what is it, right? What what are some of the issues that there could be? Because s- there are people pointing out, I think, some difficulties when it comes to doing this. So, for example, um, Anil says, most Malaysians move to KL to 
earn better. The cost of living is high, as you mentioned. So if I go back to my hometown and work, won't one kilo of chicken still be 9.20? Earning power plunges immediately once you leave these developed states like Penang, KL, Johor. So I think going back is a big risk. I, I think many people would think of it this way. Um, I mean, to be fair, I don't think one kg of chicken will still be 9.20 because it might depend where you buy it from. Yeah, so I think that... Um, I don't think that this the chicken will cost that much. I don't no. think your eggs are going to cost that much. Um, I think in theoretically, if you're buying it from the market, if you're closer to the source, depending on where you are, in theory, those things should be cheaper. Um, I guess the other thing is, and I don't want to stray too far from the question of agribusiness or of moving back to do a business that is um, specific to, to the rural space. But I mean, as we heard from our caller Anne earlier, you can do, depending on what you do, different types of work via the internet, right? Um, and, and you don't necessarily have to take a lower pay for it. No, that, I mean, again, it really does go back to what it is that you choose to do and why you're choosing to do it, right? Because I do know a number of people who have retained the jobs that they did in KL, uh, but moved to more green rural areas because they like the lifestyle there. Um, and the internet allows them to do remote work and they haven't actually started earning any less, Meezy says, I won't be migrating anyway because I'm one of the rare species where kale is my hometown. But I may be forced to do so when the money runs out and I can't afford to stay in kale or PJ. Ooh, that's a, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? What do you think? I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I get this way. I mean, we're, we're both from here. Yes, it's but not it's because you're from PJ and I'm from KL. That's why. It's because you say it with that tone. I suppose. Yeah, because I don't have a tone when I say these things. You, on the other hand, are like PJ, like it's dirt. <laughs> I do not think that. But to Meezy's point, actually, I've thought quite a bit about the fact that it would be really nice to live somewhere that's not such a city city. Um, for me, what stops me is, is my job because I couldn't do do this job elsewhere? Uh, it's job and I'm always sensitive to... Um I'm always sensitive to gentrification in that I don't want to bring the problems of urbanness. And I think that this was a point that, um, who brought it up earlier? Edwin. Um, I, I don't want to bring the problems of urbanness, like an entitled attitude, um, you know, like building ridiculous houses, whatever it may be, into a space that doesn't need it. I understand that, um, you know, we're talking today about regeneration in some ways of pumping in money into spaces that have traditionally not had it. And all of those are good things. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to be an ugly kale like just moving around town or moving yes. around the country. And using it as almost a, a holiday destination where you can be a digital nomad. Like a Malaysia, my second home, but more like Kelantan, my second yes. home. You know, something like that. I don't really want to do that. So Shazu is making a really good point saying, yes, I would. To make it happen, I definitely need to clear off all my commitments here in the city. For instance, the house. Once you clear all of that, you won't need to find extra high paying jobs back in your hometown, but rather something that promotes balance between work quality and providing you food on the table. That's the dream, right? That, that I think that's the dream, that if you were able to properly kind of clear off your debts and your commitments, that you wouldn't be stuck having to always kind of find work or, or find things to allow you to to feed that debt. Um, so yes, I, I think that probably a lot of people feel this way. I think that actually... It's the fear that you won't be able to live at the, at the quality of life that you're used to living in. But I think making this kind of a, 
re-migration also needs to come with a shift in your mindset. It does. Um, there are some messages coming in that I think require a little bit more discussion. We would like to hear from you today. We are having a conversation about re-migration. This is uh, defined as people choosing to return to their hometowns to work. Again, hometown here doesn't necessarily mean where you were born. It could be where your parents or your grandparents were born. That's how we're, we're talking about it. So would you move back to work in that hometown? What would it take to make that possible for you? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to 018-789-8899. You can send a WhatsApp there as well. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. Brave Free Malaysia, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. And you're still listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. So uh, let me just do a quick recap. We're talking today about re-migration or people choosing re- to return to their rural hometowns to work. This came up in Parliament yesterday by way of Rural and Development Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Ahmad Zaid Hamidi, who um, basically attributes this to both uh, the food security issue, meaning that because of food security, there have been lots of agribusinesses, as well as a growing number of SMEs opening in rural areas. Um, I think he also really spoke about the fact that cost of living uh, and things like that have become an increasing concern. So we are asking you, would you move back to work in your hometown? Is this something that you're, you're open to, interested in? What would it take to make that happen? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, so we have, I think, Alan on the line with us now. Alan, good evening. What are your thoughts? Good evening. My thoughts is that we have not considered from the perspective of the rural folks, because um, the re-migration to rural areas will actually cause prices to shoot up, particularly property prices in the rural areas. Now, that could meet with a lot of resentment from the folks that are currently in the rural areas. I saw that uh, in the United States when I was an exchange student in the state of Oregon. There were a lot of Californians that were selling their properties at very inflated prices. They moved to Oregon, and at the same time, they drove the prices uh, in Oregon up. And so the Oregonians were particularly unhappy with Californians. So if that occurs in Malaysia, that might likely happen to the rural areas in Malaysia too. Alan, I'm curious though, don't you think that this might be balanced out? <clears throat> excuse me. Balanced out by the fact that this would also bring in job opportunities and, uh, and, and I suppose a better quality of life overall for them. Chicken and egg story here is that are you able to increase the capacity fast enough so that you compensate for the driving of the prices up? Um, there will be a lag time, and at the same, uh, while there's a lag in there, I think the prices will definitely go up, even to the goods and services, not just properties, because the they are moving from the Klang Valley, for instance. They have got the purchasing power to go and spend a lot more in the rural community. Alan, thanks so much for calling. I, I think that that's a very valid point. And um, our first guest, um, our only guest actually for the show, Adrian Lasimbang, actually spoke about it. I think um, saying that exactly this, that it needs to be balanced out, it needs to be done carefully. Um, and that's why even programs or incentives that are pushing this forward need to be considered. And I would add to that, actually, to make the community their stakeholders in this whole process. Uh, because, yes, I... 
I think gentrification is a huge problem already in urban areas. We certainly don't need for that to happen uh, in communities that uh, are already feeling like they're being ignored. So I think this is something that absolutely needs balance. Well, the flip side of that is KW saying, yes, move back to your hometown. The jam is unbearable. Property prices, jobs and everything. Do some national service. (laughs) National service is interesting. Well, okay. I, I think, KW, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is not the first time you've messaged this, um, urging people to leave KL, so, um, which I understand. I mean, um, of course, there are times where it feels, and I think this is true of any urbanite, where you just would like a space to, for once, be alone. Um, and, and that can be kind of tough going in KL. But there is that. I mean, there is that. But then what are we actually doing to encourage people to to actually make it back and to have a good living there. Yes, I mean, I appreciate the push towards um, encouraging young people to take part in our agricultural industry, for instance. But I think that if this is something we're serious about, there needs to be a lot more done and uh, almost like a roadmap towards a long-term solution rather than something that we do as, hey, there are jobs now, come take them. Uh, Chia has an interesting message. I'm one of the few that managed to move back to my hometown, but then eventually move back out to the city. First, let me address why I moved back. Aging parents, good pay. Yes, I found a better paying job. And what I thought would be lower cost of living, which I found to be not so true. Things like kindergarten fees are cheaper, but chicken and eggs can be more expensive. I think it's logistics. Uh, In any case, why I moved out is what I wanted to emphasize here. Medical services for my aging parents were insufficient. Thus, I still have to drive them up to KL for treatment. Career growth, I pretty much maxed out my income as an employee in my hometown, therefore having to seek it out again. Things like some food stuff are more expensive and it was difficult to get specialty products. These forced me back to the city eventually. Yeah, those are all very, very relevant concerns. Um, Healthcare is a huge one, right? In terms of, especially if you have aging parents to think about. And it's coming through in other messages as well, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, I think we've got another caller with us though. We've got Surin. Surin, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, uh, good evening. Okay, um, my thoughts are like, you know... uh, I, I, I lived in a small town when I was young, but I left in 1985. But after going back many times to visit relatives, you could see uh, there's not much of industries there. Uh, like SMEs, people who want to start some business, and it's mostly all small business. So if you ask me my opinion, I would only want to go there to visit my relatives or whoever, what uh, friends I want to see. But I would still see, I still see more opportunities in KL in terms of what you read just now, like medical, uh, certain food items that you need, uh, uh, care, you know, for old folks, for caring. It's everything here in, in, in KL or in, in big cities. So uh, if you give me a choice, I would want to maybe retire there. But even then, I will come to KL uh, quite often because... You don't get what you really, um, you know, here in KL, you have a lot of things to do, you know, Mm. Uh, moving up and down and and, and a lot of places to see and visit most of your new friends and everybody in in, in KL. Uh, Surin, I I wanted to know, though, how much of this was down to your, I guess, your industry of choice, right? And whether you ever thought like, oh, you know, maybe if I did like a different job that it would be possible. Yeah, if I, in case if I'm uh, in the, um, I would say, uh, in the farming or into the uh, financial, uh, where, where if you are if you are a, a consultant for for 
for finance. So maybe you can you can go and meet a lot of people there who uh, who, who may need advice because I've seen a lot of people with uh, who are not able to sustain after they retire. So those kind of business and also small time business like you know. Uh, I've been to some places in in Perak, uh, especially Kolakangsa and all that. They do a lot of, you know, biscuits, cakes, but it is not sufficient for them to actually. Uh, they don't have enough funds, you know, to uh, to to actually make their business bigger, and they are always. Many of them I see a little bit stagnant. They are the same same pace. Sirin, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. I think uh, that certainly paints a picture of, you know, someone's decision-making over over the course of years. Uh, lots of good points brought up, right? Because again, I go back to, it's one thing to say there are jobs now, but I think there needs to be some way to show that you can make a living there. To uproot and move is a big thing because it actually shapes the course that your life is going to take after that. So I'd like to contrast that uh, with Franz, who says, I'm a PJ boy, moved to Malacca eight years ago, my wife's home state, took a pay cut of 40%, living in a countryside resident taman, quality of life is much better and less stressful than KL. No regrets. Looking forward to retiring in my resort-like home here in the countryside of Malacca in a few years' time. <laughs> that does sound lovely. Um, I think retiring is very different from moving for a job, though. Uh, yes, yes. Although France is still working. So there is ah, that. that's true. Yeah, taking yes. a pay cut, right? So it's, it's a little while away retirement, but you're right. Uh, but actually, the notion of a pay cut is something that a lot of people would find very difficult to contend with, right? Which is what I was trying to get at earlier when I said it does need you to adjust and, and sort of do a pro and con. Like, what am I giving up? What am I gaining? Am I willing to give up that? Oh, that goes back to um, Chia's point earlier about specialty products. And yes. I don't mean to sound flippant. I actually think that in general, if you love cooking, um, and if cooking is, is a source of great joy to you, that to be honest, um, working in different parts of, of the country may be tough in some ways. Well, earlier, uh, Chia also mentioned healthcare and uh, Lisa actually is making a similar point saying healthcare would be the biggest concern. My mom had stage two cancer, but the doctor in a clinic removed it without knowing it, knowing if it was benign or malignant. Only after the biopsy did we know uh, and she was referred to a specialist in KL uh, with a follow up and checkups on an annual basis. We ended up migrating to KL as you don't want to travel an hour by car and another three hours by flight and then another one hour from the airport to the hospital just for a medical checkup. Lack of higher education opportunities is also another issue. If you have kids who are about to go to university, Kale has so many more options and you can keep an eye on them as well. <laughs> Lisa, I love the mention of keeping an eye on. <laughs> it's, that, that comes with uh, a lot of stories behind that. But that issue of healthcare, so, so crucial. And speaking, in fact, to a larger worry about the distribution of quality healthcare in our country. It's not an isolated point. No, and, and actually this gets me thinking about how uh, we always talk about uh, uh, access to healthcare and how it's patchy throughout the country. These kinds of comments actually literally show that it, it how difficult it is in some places to access quality healthcare. Keep those thoughts coming. We're asking you uh, whether you would move back to work in your hometown. Again, we are defining that um, not just as where you are from, but where your parents or your grandparents were from. Uh, would you move back to work there? And I guess, what would it take to make that possible? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bluff free medium.
BFM 89.9. It is 7.19 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. Uh, we are talking today about remigration, um, which is a term that kind of, you know, I want to say got zeitgeisty, but that seems to be... Zahidgeisty? Oof. Ah, oof. I had to take it. So uh, yesterday, Zayed Hamidi, the Rural and Development Minister, spoke about this trend of remigration, people choosing to return to their rural hometowns to work. And we were asking you, would you move back to work in your hometown? Again, you can weigh in by calling 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, let's see... There are some voice notes that have come in. Let's start with this one from Kenneth. Hi, uh, Shamila Lin. Uh, I'm going to talk about this uh, on behalf of my Sarawakian friend, uh, including my uh, primary school teachers back when I was in primary school. Uh, what they told me uh, was that there's not much uh, industry uh, that can be found uh, on Sarawak uh, or Sabah, the East Malaysian uh, uh, state. So uh, they tend to be uh, teachers, uh, like school teachers. Uh, so that is one of the most popular and the best choice they can be. Uh, perhaps they should increase uh, more industry uh, uh, in East Malaysia. So perhaps engineering uh, or maybe IT uh, companies set up in Sarawak and Sabah. Uh, then uh, that's where they can they can go back to East Malaysian states. Kenneth, uh, thanks so much for that. And again, for offering a perspective um, on behalf, at least, of, of a Sarawakian friend. I was thinking about this in relation, like I said, I have a family in, in KK and my cousins from there grew up there, uh, but has lived in a bunch of places, including KL, eventually moved back. And it's for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about already, which is family. Firstly, she married um, a schoolmate and so a, a KKian. But the other thing was that her line of work, um, she chose to go into entrepreneurship, could be done anywhere. And, and that's key, right, when we're talking about the variety of industries and therefore of jobs available. So I find this very interesting to think about in the context of when people migrate outside of Malaysia, right? Because often people pick a place that they think is the ideal place they want to live in, let's say Australia. Then they reskill or figure out where their skills could fit. And it could end up being something very different from what they do back home um, because the priority is moving. And I think in some senses, not saying, Kenneth, that that's what you have to do, but I'm saying perhaps until we get to the point where there is that bulk of industry that encourages people to shift between states, that is really what would encourage people. Not so much what job will I get, but what am I moving for? Well, I mean, but some of it is still industry because Aaron, for example, says, I used to work in Bentong 20 years ago in, a ma in the manufacturing sector. Today, most factories are closed. I have no choice but to migrate to Shah Alam. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's also a reality, right? Um, and it's interesting that we're not even talking about agriculture. We're talking about industry as in factories and so on. Uh, let's see. We have Aslan who says, I'm a weekend husband. When the HSR project was announced, I was enthusiastically looking forward for it to materialize. But I definitely want to stay in Malacca working kale. Oh, that sounds like the dream, doesn't it? 
I mean, that's what things like the HSR were supposed to do. Yes, that's what it was supposed to achieve, although, again, uh, not so much right now. Let's see, we also have Asfal saying, Hi, I'm not from the Kampongs, but my parents were. If I were to choose, it would either be Taiping uh, in Perak or Tangkap in Johor. Honestly, I don't mind both, but Taiping has the edge because it's hours away by train to KL or Penang. I can just ask for a transfer, actually, since the place I work at has branches close to those two places. What would make me move back? Um, probably if better healthcare was available in my hometown of Cebu. Working wouldn't be an issue as I'm a programmer and working remotely is a possibility. Yeah, I think remote work is really changing these sorts of opportunities and I feel like it's going to uh, change even more as we move forward. We do have Madhav saying, as a rural boy who moved to an urban area, I think if you don't have loan commitments, you won't mind a pay cut. I'd pick a lower income to two-hour traffic. Well, Jeff, on the other hand, says, I'm from Ipoh living KL for almost 13 years. I tried going back, but the career advancement, second time this has come up, and pay can't compare to what I'm having in KL. Uh, expenses for food in Ipoh is not cheap. Some places are higher than in KL. Yeah, so I think Ipoh perhaps is not as rural as some people might be pointing to. Yes, that's true. Um, but again, I think I think when we talk about work, right, there's also the question of uh, ambition and how much advancement matters to And that to you. I can completely understand, right? which is what I meant by for my job, I don't think I could live anywhere other than KL. Yes, uh, at this point, in time, which again is kind of sad um, because you'd like the possibility. I, I mean, I think we would all like the possibility. Let's see, we've also got a voice note. Um, this is Dr. Zainal. I would definitely be interested to move back to work in my hometown, which is Sungai Petani. That's where I grew up and... Um, I guess if the opportunity arises and, and, and is possible, I would like to do that because uh, it's less congestion than definitely compared to KL. Um, the prices or the, the living cost is better uh, and for me, even the food tastes better. <laughs> uh, but, but, but anyhow, uh, that will be a great opportunity. Uh, we'll see what the future might hold for me. But to do that, I would need to request uh, for transfer and uh, a job opening to be in the hospital there before I can do that. Dr. Zainal, thanks so much for that. Um, what is with all the... Sorry, this sounds rude. I might as well just say it. What is with all the northerners coming in and talking about their food being better? I mean, your food is good, but like shots fired, shots fired everywhere. <laughs> Actually, the problem is that nobody is defending the other food. Yala, but <laughs> nobody else has come out to say I stay in Kale because the food is great. Well, and and why would you? To be honest, I'm not saying that the food in Kale is bad, but I think in terms of quality uh, alongside taste, maybe it's quite hard to uh, quality, taste, and price. It's a little bit hard to beat. You know your Sungai Petani's, your Penangs. Well. Munif says, my kampung is in Perlis, though I currently live in Shala. Uh, there are many benefits of returning to Perlis. No traffic. The food is fresher yet cheaper. Seafood especially. Lots of greens, fresher air, a slow pace of living, which does wonders for one's state of mind. It's also just a step away from a nice trip to Thailand or Langkawi for quality breaks. However, as there are all of only three people in Perlis, I might expire out of boredom. It's enough to return occasionally during Hari Raya, I guess. Sorry, Perlis. I, I'm sorry. Suddenly remembering all the um, 
the pandemic jokes about Perlis. Emily in ba- Perlis? Emily in Perlis and how everyone was like, ha, you laugh at us, but now there's no one here to spread a virus. Yeah. And it's like, this is the this is the down and upside, I guess. Um, the only person to mention Perlis so far, actually. This is true. Mm. Um, also, I kind of now want to try seafood in Perlis. Uh, Munif has sent in before a pretty good food, food guy. That's yes, true. Yes, so there is that. Uh, Misi has a more serious point, saying uh, Tun Razak's Buku Hijau was shelved when Tun M was the PM. The latter's focus was the super corridor and the call of the day was to be high tech. So for migration back to rural areas to be profitable, the government should look at reviving the Buku Hijau. It would also make Malaysia more self-sufficient and hopefully move away from the current heavy reliance on imports for our food consumption. Actually, that's the root of what um, Ahmad Zaid Hapidi is talking about anyway. This idea of remigration is meant to address uh, our food security uh, as a way of uh, being self-sufficient when it comes to our own agriculture. Shamil says, I want to move back to my kampong if I could, but my mom would never allow me to. I asked her previously, saying that I would ditch, uh, like to ditch my current job to do modern farming, but she said, hard no. Membazir belajar tinggi-tinggi, she said. Uh, typical Asian mom expectation, I guess. Oh, you know, I can actually see that uh, being a reality for many people. Yes, because your education is an investment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So why would you give that up and come back to the place that we think don't doesn't offer much opportunity. Because I want to, mom. <laughs> because that's my dream. <laughs> this is the third generation mindset right there. <laughs> um, Ling says, as a banana and non-heterosexual, I can't imagine moving back to the hometown. I would be too out of place. Menu without English or Bahasa Malaysia, daily life will be too difficult. I'm reminded of uh, Adrian Lasimag, our guest earlier, saying that there will be a need, there'll need to be quite a fair amount of, quote unquote, retraining for urban people moving back to their hometowns. Well, Rose says, the look the Kopitiam uncle gave me when I asked for a skinny latte with soy milk and extra froth was enough to scare me back to KL. Rose, <laughs> Ro, as, a, as a fellow KLite, don't embarrass us. Okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume this is a joke. Me too. I'm going to assume this is a joke because this, the ugly kale stereotype that we were talking about earlier, it's, it's just, it's so close right now. I can almost... Yeah, no, if it's the truth, I shun. I can smell the soy milk. Um, <laughs> I, there was one, oh, Abby says, I stay in my hometown, KL, because the food is great. So there you go. Thank you, Abby. Thank you for representing. I'll let the KL light thank you. <laughs> um, okay, and that is it for our inside story today. So we'd like to hear from you. Would you move back to work in your hometown? Is this something you've considered? If it is, what would it take to make that a possibility for you? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, WhatsApp or voice note 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.